Hallelujah. I hope and pray that you all brought your appetite tonight. Because I believe God has a wonderful meal in store for you. Tonight I want to talk to you about the awesome power of God. I think that as believers, we have a tendency to get lazy and lackadaisical and sort of take God's power for granted. We are all products of God's power because God has transformed us from the darkness into light. That takes power. And we look into this world and we live in an age where the world is craving for power. Look at the, uh, the, the modern technology today. Look at what it's done. Look what it's created. Look what it's developed. We spend billions of dollars for weaponry that is so powerful that it can destroy cities many times over. We have nuclear subs that that spits out nuclear uh, missiles that can destroy and do devastation. Billions of dollars just so that we can remain at the status of being the most powerful country in the world. Then you have the natural elements that can be very powerful. This past few years, we experienced the the power of tornadoes and hurricanes. And we know the devastation that they can create. New Orleans itself uh, has experienced a tremendous devastation because of the power of hurricanes. Just a couple of uh, months ago, uh, Oklahoma had tornadoes that have swept the country and uh, has devastated uh, the place and creating uh, tremendous destruction. Floods and tsunamis and earthquakes are very powerful. But those are the power of the elements. Then we have what we call power players. These are the men and women who are considered the most powerful people in the world. These are the ones that run the world. Do you know in 2012, Forbes magazine had come up with a list of 71 people who are considered to be the most powerful people in the world. Out of uh, 7.1 billion people on the earth. Only those 71 matter, according to Forbes magazine. And I'm not going to give you the names of all the 71, but let me just give you a few names. The seventh most powerful person in the world is the king of Saudi Arabia. I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name. But the reason why he's so powerful is because he owns 20% of the world's known oil reserves. You have oil, you've got power. Here's something else that's interesting. The fifth most powerful person in the world is far more powerful than the king of Saudi Arabia and all of his oil reserves. And that's the Pope. And the reason why the Pope is considered so powerful, or the fifth most powerful person in the world, is because he has a spiritual leadership of over one billion Catholics, or one-sixth of the world's population. When you have that much influence over that many people, you've got power. Do you know who is the most powerful person in the world? Two years running. Anybody guess? Who's that? Who? Nope. President Obama. Two years in a row, he was selected as the most powerful person in the world. He is the unquestioned commander-in-chief of the greatest military power on earth. And when you have that, that much military power behind you, you've got power. Now, let's say you put all of those power together, combine them together. The power of the elements, the power of technology, and the power of all 71 men or women 
in this world. And it still does not come close to the power of God. Amen. That's why I think it's so important that we really understand the power of God. We may not understand completely the entire power of God because we're going to learn that God's power is infinite. It is boundless. It is inexhaustible. But if we can get a taste, a flavor of what God's power is, it'll go, it's going to affect our lives and change our lives and cause us to live a little bit differently. So tonight I want to look into the Bible and begin to learn something about the power of God. We want, just want to get an understanding of what God's power is. And of course, this is just the first part of a three-part series that I want to share with you. Uh, the last two Wednesdays of this month, I will be picking up where we left off tonight. So uh, that will give us a chance to really get through this. So I'm going to take my time. This is just an introduction. Uh, but I really want to understand God's power. And then I want you to, to understand how God's power will be effective in our lives and how it can be effective in everything that we do in life. Amen. So let's take a look at God's power. <clears throat> the Bible speaks of God as the all-powerful and the omnipotent God. The word omnipotent is, is made up of two Latin words. The word omni means all, and the word potent or potent means power. So you put them all together and you have all power. And that's what God is. He's all power. Amen. He's a forgiving God, but he's all power. He's a merciful God, but he's all power. He is a gracious God, but he's all power. That's who he is. He's a powerful, mighty God. And when we talk about God's power, we're referring to his strength to act and his ability to perform. How many of you believe that God can perform things? You know, I believe that we need to come to a place where we can believe in God's power. Because when we talk about God's power, we're talking about God who can do the miraculous. And I think that we've fallen short of that. I think that we fail to believe that God can do anything. When God can do everything. And we're going to see that in the word tonight. But God is an omnipotent God. That means that God possesses infinite, complete, and perfect power. The word infinite means unlimited, endless. Think about that. There's not enough, there's not a a measuring tape long enough or big enough to measure God's power. Because it's boundless. Go with me to Psalm 135. And let's take a look at what the Bible says about the power of God. He's omnipotent. That means he can do anything he wants to do. His power is sovereign. Psalm 135. Beginning in verse 5. It says, For I know that the Lord is great, and that our Lord is above all gods. Whatever the Lord pleases, he does. In heaven and in earth, in the seas and all the deeps. Go with me to Psalm 115. We're going to go all over the place tonight. But that's okay. Y'all not going anywhere, are you? Okay. Psalm 115. 
Beginning in verse 3. Still here, pages turning. Psalm 115 and verse 3 says, But our God is in heaven, and He what? He does whatever He pleases. Glory to God. Even Job had enough sense to say, I know that you can do everything, and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. So none of us can make that claim because our capabilities are limited. But like his attributes, God is holy, God is righteous, God is just. And his omnipotence has a moral base to it. In other words, God will never do anything that violates or contradicts his nature or his character. So when I say that God can do everything, he'll do everything as long as it's in line with his nature. So in other words, God's not going to manifest his power just to impress you and me. God is going to manifest his power to give himself glory, to glorify himself, and to fulfill his purpose on the earth. Amen. So God is a mighty and powerful God. He's able to do everything. Go to Isaiah chapter 40. Let's take a look at uh, the power of this unlimited God. Isaiah chapter 40. Because we know that God is infinite, which means that he is boundless and he's limited, so is his power. In Isaiah chapter 40, and in verse 28, it says God's power knows no limits. I'm sorry, reading the wrong one. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary, and his understanding is unsearchable. The New Living Translation says, no one can measure the depths of his understanding. In other words, God's power has no limits. You can't measure it. You can't put a number on it because it's boundless. It's endless. You can't even imagine that. But we're incapable, uh, incapable of knowing and understanding that. You know, it's... Um, God exists in a different realm than you and I. We live in this natural realm, and this natural realm is very limited. You know, if, if there was a, a, uh, a ton of weight right here in front of me, I cannot lift it up. Why? Because the laws of gravity prevents me from doing that. But if I was to take that ton of weight and take it to outer space with me, then I'm able to pick it up and do you know, arm curls with it forever. Why? Because I'm in a different realm. And see, that's the same thing with God. He, he, he operates in a whole different realm, which makes him can do anything. Where we are limited because we live in this natural realm. And we're very limited to what we can do. But because we're limited does not mean that God is, is limited. And that's the problem with you and I. We limit God. We, we, can't allow, we, we don't allow him to become who he is. We, we, what we do is we put God in a box. And we don't, don't allow God to be God. But when God is allowed to be who he is, then you need to stand back and watch what he can do. Amen. But see, we need to learn to stop putting God in a box and just simply believe that he can do the impossible. Look what David says. 
Now, as a matter of fact, let me, let me read you what Job says. Job says, can you discover the depths of God? Can you discover the limits of the Almighty? They are high as the heavens. What can you do? Deeper than Sheol, what can you know? Its measure is, is longer than the earth and broader than the sea. See, Job understood something about God that you could not measure him. You know, what I love about God is this. Even though he's high and lifted up, even though he's boundless, even though he's unlimited, even though he's big, bigger than you and I can imagine, yet the same God is willing to come down to us and have a relationship with us and reveal himself to us and commune with us and be with us. That's the same God that we're talking about. Look in Psalm 147. We're talking about a God who is unlimited. And because he's unlimited, his power is also unlimited. Psalm 147, verse 5 says this. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding or his wisdom or his knowledge is infinite. The Amplified Version says it like this. His understanding is inexhaustible and boundless. And I love what the message translation says. It says, with limitless strength, we will never comprehend what he knows and what he does. So is his power. And we see that in his creative power. Go to Genesis chapter 1. We're still learning something about his power. Genesis chapter 1. We're all familiar with this verse. Beginning in verse 1, it says this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. And darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Listen to verse 3. Then God said, let there be light. And light was. When we're talking about the power of God, we notice how effortlessly His power is. Notice that God did not gather raw materials and put it all together to create the heavens and the earth. He just simply spoke. And it was. Just to look at Psalm 33. Go to Psalm 33 real quick. When God created the heavens and the earth, we realize that he doesn't exert any energy. There's no sign in the Bible where it says he grunts, he groans, and he strains. He doesn't even sweat. Because his power is effortless. All he does is simply speak forth the word and it comes. Psalm 33 and verse 6 says this, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. Verse 9, look at verse 9. For he spoke and it what? And it was done. He commanded and what? It stood fast. Hallelujah. We're talking about a God whose power is so effortless. It doesn't take much for God just to snap his finger and something happens. Hebrews 11.3 says that we, by faith we understand 
<coughs> that the world was framed by the word of God. Hebrews 1 and 3 says that God is able to uphold this earth by the word of his power. The word uphold means to sustain. Now think about this. The same God that created the heavens and, his, and the earth by a word is the same God that sustains the entire universe with a word. You ever wonder why we don't burn to death or freeze to death? It's because when God created the heavens and the earth, he put the sun just at the right distance so that we won't get burnt or we won't get cold. That's because he sustains the earth. And he continues to do that with just his word. Amen. His power is effortless. Glory to God. So, because his power is so effortless, it's because his power is also self-generating. Go to Psalm 33. Are you still in Psalm 33? You should be there. Okay. Listen to what the scripture says again. Let's read that. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their host. Where is the word coming from? From his mouth. Where is his mouth coming from? From God himself. I compare God's power like a generator that keeps on running without needing fuel, without needing to get fixed, without needing to do anything. It's just a generator. Just keep, keep running and running and running. When we look at God's power, it's so effortless because it's self-generating. When God speaks forth his word, it comes from where? From within. The Bible says that he creates the world by the breath of his mouth. This power comes from within. God doesn't need to go outside of himself. All the power in the world is inside of him. And he demonstrates his power when he creates the heavens and the earth by speaking forth. Whether you realize it, as effortlessly as that is, that's still power. Amen. Listen to me. God is a God who is the, how can I explain this? He is the out-of-nothing God. He is the out-of-nothing God. In other words, God can create out-of-nothing. When you and I create things, it's from existing materials. But when God creates things, He creates things out-of-nothing. Listen to me. When you can, listen, you can have power to form things, that's one thing. But when to create something out-of-nothing, that's real power. And that's the power of God. As effortlessly, as effortless as it is, as self-generating as it is, God is the source of all power. And saints, listen, if we can get a hold of this, it will change our thinking. If we can get a hold of this, we can know that we can rely on the power of God. Listen, how many of you have ever seen the movie Crocodile Dundee? How many? Come on, raise your hands. I know you're out there. Okay. Do you remember the scene where Crocodile Dundee uh, was in a party with his girlfriend and they all decided to go for a walk? And they were walking out in the streets of New York. Yeah. And you remember the scene. All of a sudden, this mug comes out with a switchblade. Give me your wallet. You remember that? And then the girl screams, ah, he's got a knife. And I can just remember Crocodile Dundee just looking at that knife and he chuckles. He said, 
That's not a knife. That's pretty good, huh? I've only watched it about five times, so. So he looks at that knife, he chugs, that's not a knife. And he pulls out this huge, big machete looking hunting knife. This is a knife. And uh, the mugger sees that and he looks at it with a skate. He ran, he booked. Normally in a situation like that, when a mug comes out and comes out with a knife, the natural response is to be afraid. To be afraid, you know, be fearful. But Crocodile Dundee was not afraid. Why? Because he had a bigger knife. When we understand that the power of God is far greater than anything that we face, we can be like Crocodile Dundee and says, that's not a knife. And face any situation without being afraid. That's why the Bible says in John, 1 John 4, 4 says, The greater is he that is in us than what? He that is in the world. Amen. Because we have the greater one on our side. So you know, if we pit, if we pit God's power against all of the circumstances of life, <laughs> the odds are for us. The odds are in our favor. Because the greater one is on us. Why? Because his power is great. His power is wonderful. And I'm getting ahead of myself. So let's meet this God who is able. Go to Genesis chapter 17. <clears throat> Again, we're still learning a little bit more about God's power. You know, there's a story that I, I was reading about a pastor who, uh, um, who saw a, a, a young boy uh, standing out in the foyer, the church foyer, waiting for his parents. And he knew that he'd just come out of you know, Sunday school. and So he decided to go walk over there and ask the, you know, the, the young man some questions. And he goes up to the young man and says, Son, if you can tell me something that God can do, I'll give you a shiny apple. And the, the young man looks up at the pastor and says, Sir, if you can tell me something God can't do, I'll give you a box of shiny new apples. <laughs> See, the challenge is not knowing what God can do. The challenge is finding out what God can't do. And because God's power is so unlimited, there's nothing he can't do. Amen. There's nothing he can't do. So it looks like the kids get stuck with a box of apples. Genesis chapter 17. God appears to Abraham. Now, this isn't the first time that God appears to Abraham. But in this scene, it says, now when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless. Now it's interesting because all the time that God appeared to Abraham, this is the first time that he appeared to him as the Lord Almighty. It's the first time that he announces himself as God Almighty. The word God Almighty means El Shaddai. Right? El Shaddai simply means the all-sufficient one or the many-breasted one. The word Shada comes from the word, uh, it's a Hebrew word, which means to, uh, to, to pour out. Now, how many of you know there's a difference between pouring and sprinkling? Right? How many of you have ever sprinkled yourself a glass of water? Not many of us have. But no, but we pour ourselves a glass of water. Because when you pour, you get more. 
Amen. You can write that down. That was for free. So when God appeared to Abraham, he appeared to Abraham as the God that pours out. The God that pours out blessings. The God that pours out wisdom. The God that pours out provisions. The God that pours out strength. The God that pours out anything that you need at the time that you need it. He is the all-sufficient God. And that's how he announced himself to Abraham. Because you see, he already told Abraham that he was going to make him the father of many nations. And you knew that Abraham needed a lot of help to do that. But it's interesting now, God announces himself that way for the first time. When you look at this, when God says, I am the, 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 the poured out one, I am the all-sufficient one. He's simply telling us that he is the, uh, the nourisher, the strengthener. He is the life giver. When he approached Abraham, he was actually approaching Abraham and announcing as the life giver and the fruitfulness. Because you see, God, he, told God, he told Abraham that he was going to be fruitful. He told Abraham that he was going to be a father of many nations. To do that, you have to be fruitful. And when God, approached, when God approaches you, he approaches you according to your need. So if you have lack, God comes in as, his, as the provider. You know, if you're sick in your body, then he comes to you and announces himself as the healer. He'll approach you and announce himself as, as according to whatever it is that you need. But again, the wonderful thing about that is that God can do that because he has the power to back it. <laughs> Glory to God. And so he promised Abraham that he is going to be a father of many nations. Go to Genesis chapter 18. God is the all bountiful, the supplier, the satisfier, the strength giver, the strong nourisher. Genesis chapter 18. Now God appears to Abraham once again. <clears throat> Beginning in verse 11, it says this. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in age, and Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Now isn't it interesting how their physical condition is emphasized here? Same thing in 17 verse 1, where he talked about how he was 99 years old and he was old. Yet God says, I'm going to make your father of many nations. And in this conversation that God had, well, let me read on. Verse 11 says, Now Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in age, and Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. It says, Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I have grown old, shall I have pleasure? My Lord being old also, once again, we're looking at and we're talking about, and the emphasis here is the physical condition. Now, if we were to stop at verse 11, where it says that Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in age, and Sarah passed, having passed the age of childbearing, we would think that that'd be it for them, that that'd be the end of their lives. And the only thing they have left for them is just retire, live a retired life and just enjoy their grandchildren and then die. But if you continue reading on this verse, you'll find out that God was not through with them. It was not the end of their lives. And you know, there are many of us here who think that this is all there is to life right now. That this is the end. But if you, once again, if you get God out of the box and let him be who he is, let God be God in your life, 
You'll be surprised what God will do for you. It's not the end of the road for you. There's something else that God wants to do. And just like, and it doesn't matter what the circumstances are. Doesn't matter what your physical condition is. Doesn't matter what your age is. God's not through. He wasn't through with Abraham. He certainly was not through with Sarah. Let me continue reading. Then verse 13, after God hears Sarah laughing, how many of you know that God knows when you're laughing? And the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh, saying, surely I shall bear a child, shall I truly bear a child and since I'm old? This is what I love about God. Verse 14, is anything too hard for the Lord? And at the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life. And listen to what he says, and Sarah shall have a son. You know, what we need to do is make a habit of inserting our, our specific needs to that question. Let's say, for instance, you get up in the morning and you know you, what kind of day you're going to have. And you know that your day's going to be challenging. You know that you're going to have a tough day ahead of you. You know there are people you have to meet and it's just going to be a very difficult day. What you need to do is ask the question. Is my day too hard for God? Or maybe, maybe you have a habit that you're trying to kick and trying to get over. Say this question. Is my habit too hard for God? Maybe you're having problems in your marriage. Then ask this question. Is my marriage problem too hard for God? Whatever issue you may have, whatever specific need you have, just ask this question. Is it too hard for God? Because that's what God said to Sarah. Understand. Keep in mind. God says that Sarah is going to have a child. That's why she was laughing. An impossible situation. Humanly speaking, there's no possible way, physically and biologically, that she could produce a child. The Bible says that, she, that her womb was dead. And she was barren. But she's been barren all her life. She's never had children. So this was no news to her. But to say that God says that you are going to have a child, it's humanly impossible. I'm getting ahead of myself again. Go to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. But God was saying to Abraham and Sarah. And again, the scriptures specify the fact that Abraham was 100 years old. His womb, I mean, his, not his womb, but his body was dead. That means he was impotent. And it was impossible for him to father a child. And the scriptures once again say that Sarah was barren. Her womb was dead. And she was beyond childbearing age. So in the natural it's an impossible task. No possible way could, that, could something like that happen in the natural. Look at Romans chapter 4. Beginning in verse 18. Well, in verse 17 says, that, uh, talks about God who calls those things which be not as though they were. Remember, God is the out of nothing God. In verse 18 says, referring to Abraham, who contrary to hope, in hope believed, 
So that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken. So shall your descendants be. And being not weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old. And the deadness of Sarah's womb. Again, his body was dead. He was a hundred years old. He was impotent and he was incapable of physically producing a child. His wife being old also impossible. But the Bible says that he did not consider his body. In other words, he did not dwell on his physical capabilities. Not that he was not aware of it. Not that he was in denial. It was a fact. He cannot produce a child because his body was dead. Sarah's body was dead. They were old. They cannot produce a child. That's a fact. But the Bible says that Abraham did not focus or dwell on the fact. He simply believed on God's promise. Remember, it's not his power or his efforts that he's able to produce a child. It's God's power. It's his power. Amen. So I want you to understand something here because the Bible says that, here's the thing. God, does not ex- God was not expecting Sarah to have a child on her own, by her own efforts. God was not expecting her to do this on her own. What God was simply saying is this. I don't want you to do the impossible. I just want you to believe in the impossible. That's all I want you to do. I don't expect you to do the impossible. Only God can do that. I just simply want you to believe the impossible. The Bible says all things are possible to what? Those who believe. Glory to God. And that's all that God required of Abraham and Sarah. God knows that there's no way they can physically incapable of, of producing a child. He knows that. But God also knew that his power, he can create things out of nothing. God can, can make a way where there doesn't seem to be a way. So when God makes a promise to you, it doesn't matter how, how even if it doesn't seem natural, even if it doesn't seem illogical, even if it doesn't seem possible, even if it doesn't seem to make any sense, if God says it is, then it is. That's all you have to do is just simply believe in the impossible. Because the power of God is able to do the impossible, but that's who we're believing for, is the impossible. But that's not up to you and I. Only God can do that. But we can believe that he can do that. Let's look at some other examples here. Go with me to Mark chapter 10. (coughs) Mark chapter 10. I changed my mind. Go to Luke chapter 1. All things are possible. Luke chapter 1. Let's begin. Verse 34. No, let's, let's begin from verse 30. 
And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son. And shall call his name Jesus, and he shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. In verse 34, Then Mary said uh, unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know no man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of God the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And verse 36, And behold, your cousin Elizabeth, she has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. It's interesting. The angel appears to, to Mary and tells Mary, you're going to have a child. But it's not just any child. It's the Son of God. And you're going to give birth to the Son of God. And you're going to call his name Jesus. And Mary responds in a natural way. How can this be? I'm still a virgin. I'm not married. How can this possibly be? How many of you have asked that question? How can this be? Mary asked that question and the angel had an answer. He said, the power of God will overshadow you. And he says, and while he's at it, while we're talking about babies, your cousin Elizabeth, the old one, the one who's retired, the one whose womb is barren, she's having a child and she's six months pregnant. Because the same power is also resting on her. And what does she do? She says, well, Lord, be it as unto you. Whatever you want, let it be done. See, because Mary knew there was no way that she could possibly do that. She asked the question, how can this be? I don't even have a husband. I'm still a virgin. But when the angel of the Lord says, well, I don't want you doing this. I don't expect you to do this. But God, the power of God will overshadow you. He'll take care of that. In the same way that he's taking care of your cousin Elizabeth. But again, we see how the power of God works. Because God can do anything. And that's what I want you to get. That's what I want you to understand. If there's anything I want you to understand is that God can do anything. But we have to believe that he can do anything. You know, we can talk a good talk. We know, we sing how mighty God is. We, we talk about how powerful God is. But when it comes down right down to it, we don't always believe that he's powerful and that he's mighty. And this is what I want you to understand. And when, I, when you go home tonight, I want you to believe that God is the impossible God. God does not expect you to do the impossible. He only expects you to believe in the impossible. And that's all that God has required of us. Just simply believe. Amen. And that's what God wants to do tonight. He wants us to believe that all things are possible. So, if, And if we can get this, if we can get hold of this, it will change our lives. I believe that it will change our lives. This message is good enough for you as it is for me. Because I need to hear this. Let's go another example. Let's go to Mark chapter 10. Now we're ready to go Mark chapter 10. This is one of my favorite stories. Where Jesus talks to the rich young ruler. <laughs> and you know the story. The rich young ruler sees Jesus and calls Jesus. Master, master, what must I do to get into the kingdom of heaven? 
And God said, well, have you observed the commandments? He said, yeah, I've, I've done it all since my youth. And then Jesus said, well, good. But there's only one thing you lack. He said, sell everything you have. Give it to the poor. And follow me and you shall have riches in heaven. And of course, the result was that the rich young ruler walked away sadly. Because he was not willing to give up what he had. And the Bible says he had much possessions. So he chose his possessions over the rewards in heaven. And so the disciples saw this. And let's pick up in verse 25. He says, it is easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And they were astonished out of measure, saying among themselves, who then can be saved? Then Jesus, in verse 27, looking upon them, saying, With men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. You know, my wife and I were talking about a, a family member who has some issues. And, um, and I'm just going to be honest with you. you know, we've been praying for a long time, but I got to a point where I sort of slacked on my prayer. I started giving up hope. My wife, but still, she still continued to pray. And we just began to talk about that. I said, you know what? You're right. I don't know if you remember, but I shared a story about a, a, a man uh, who lives in our town, New Bedford. And um, he was the town drunk. And Pastor Ray, you know him as Johnny, Johnny Barboza. And uh, he was a town drunk. And he was a mean guy. This guy cussed and everything. I mean, it's just, it was just mean, honorary guy. And, um, and this is what he did. He was always drunk. Sometimes you see him laying up on the streets, just passed out. And, um, and people prayed for him. And one day he, he got so drunk, he just passed right out. And it was the middle of the winter. And he was just right there on the streets, snow on top of him and everything. Until somebody found him and took him in. When he finally got in the house and warmed up a bit, he, he, his arm was, was paralyzed. Uh, I, I don't know if it was his right hand or his right, his left yeah, his right arm was paralyzed. It was like this. And from that point, I started going to church and gave his life to the Lord. But here's the thing. When he gave his life to the Lord, and correct me if I'm wrong, hon, but God took away that spirit of alcohol out of him. Completely transformed his life. Completely. Right? Is that correct? But he still had this paralyzed hand. And one day he was in the church, helping out in the church. I mean, ever since he got saved, he just wanted to just... He was just wanted to be in church and do things. And then one day he was painting a ceiling. He was in a ladder. Now, this guy's crazy. I mean, he got on a ladder with one hand. He was painting. And his arms just got tired. Then he went and reached out the other hand and started painting. <laughs> because God healed his hand until this day. He's 70-something, maybe even 80 years old now. 80 years old. And for 30 years, 30 plus years, he's been going out taking his, the message of the gospel to the nursing homes, singing and praising God and just being a testimony wherever he goes. Because, that, because God was able to change him. But my point here is this. I realize that I need to have the same kind of faith in believing that God can do the impossible. God can save the most honoriest, nastiest person in this world because nothing's too difficult for God. And I realized, you know what? That's right. I need to stop slacking up and I need to just trust God and trust his impossibilities to save this family member. And you know what? I, I encourage you to do the same thing. Because I'm sure that you know somebody in your family or somebody that you know 
that might be having issues that need to be saved. And when you look at that person, you say, well, there's no way this person's going to get saved. It's impossible. I can never see this guy being delivered. But you know what? When you leave it in God's hands, all God wants you to do is believe the impossible and let God do the impossible. Amen. So that's all that God wants. And that's what I would encourage you to do tonight. Um, anyways, let me just close here because there's so much that I want to share with you. But we'll pick up where we left off. Not next Wednesday, but the following Wednesday. But this time, uh, let's just close our eyes right now. And let's just pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the word tonight. We thank you, Father, for speaking and encouraging our faith. Thank you, Father, for stirring up our spirit, man. Thank you, Father, God, for speaking a word that we needed to hear. Father, thank you for revealing your power to us. Thank you for helping us to understand that you are the God of the impossible, that you can do anything, Father, and we want to rely on your strength and your ability. And Father, we thank you tonight for all that is said and all that was done today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.